I'm Jess. And I'm Tiff. And we're your Curious Cousins. Where we talk about everything kooky and spooky in the state of Oklahoma. Hello. Hello. Well, how's your week been? It's been good. I had a short week of school. (laughs) Lucky. Welcome to fall break. (laughs) It's always nice. Yes. Yes. I have no big plans, though, so I don't know what we're going to do. We may hope everyone cannot hear my child singing in the background. Um, No, they can. (laughs) (laughs) They like it. Well, they better. They get, you know, get used to it. It's our background music. It is, for sure. We might go to my in-laws and stay there for a few days. Woodward has this festival called Holidays. Oh, cool. And it's like all my favorite things about the fair, but Uh like a third of the size. Yeah. Probably cheaper, a little cheaper maybe. Yeah, it doesn't cost money to actually just go in and shop. Or park. No, it doesn't cost money to park. (laughs) And then we'll see like Chris's old football coach Mm -hmm. makes really amazing barbecue. Yeah. Shout out to Cooper's in Moreland. (laughs) And we always get, he always has something special for us. Oh, nice. That'll be fun. might be what we're going to do. But unfortunately, I heard your plans were busted for going to Fort Worth. Yeah, I was supposed to go to Fort Worth and see my cousin, but it's fine. He had he ended up having to work, and we'll just reschedule Boom, another work. another day or another weekend. So, I mean, I saw him on Wednesday, so it'll be fine. Yeah. So, well, Jess, mm-hmm. should we tell the people about our last weekend? I mean, I think they might want to hear it. Maybe, maybe so. <laughs> Yes. When hurt to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so Jess and I went on the History and Haunts tour at yes, the Overholster yes. Mansion last Saturday. Guys, it was so much oh, fun. Oh my gosh. Shout we, out to the people that work there. Oh, they were amazing. Amazing. I have never been so, I don't know, like enthralled mm-hmm. in a tour. Yeah. And then they... They talk to you and they tell you all their stories and then they literally like, okay, see you later. Go walk around yourself. And I was like, no, wait, wait, what? I know. I thought it was going to be a guided tour. Yes. And then they were going to talk about ghosts Mm -hmm. and whatnot. But it was, I mean, they, they did give us a little bit of history. Yeah. And then they were kind of like, okay, off you go. Go explore. They really wanted you to get like the full experience of exploring it and looking at everything. And it was so cool because we were such a small group of us, like Mm -hmm. maybe not, maybe 15, maybe. Maybe, yeah. And so we had the whole run of the house, even the creepy basement. They opened up the basement just for our group. And they said that they don't normally do that. Yes. And when I tell you it was creepy, okay, I was not creeped out just on the um, other. I was totally creeped <laughs> out by the basement. She psyched herself out. And at one point, I walked around the corner. She's like, Tiff, where are you? Where are you? I can't see you. Yeah, okay, wait. For, well, first, yeah, we go down in the basement and, and Tiff is like walking in. I think you had your phone light on. Yeah, I had you? the flashlight like on my the phone flashlight. On. And she walks in. I'm like, where are you going? Where are you going? And you're like, I'm going up over here and around this corner. I'm like, why are you leaving me? I literally stayed in the doorway of the basement where the hallway and the basement or like one of the openings in yes. the basement. Yes. And it had like a, a boiler mm-hmm, in there. Mm-hmm. 
like um, the old fashioned so here's <laughs> from 1903 i kid i think it said 1898 on it yeah i took a picture of it i thought yeah. my dad would find it interesting but here's what's funny is i heard this noise I screamed and <laughs> Tiffany's like, what's wrong? And I was like, I heard something. And then you hear these footsteps walking. I was like, oh my gosh, my heart is pounding. Um, it was the people upstairs walking around <laughs> yeah. above us. It was yes. literally nothing. Yeah. And I totally psyched myself out. Yes. yes. <laughs> it was really fun. We did post several of our pictures yes. on Instagram and Facebook. So please go check those out. Please go. Please go to the Overholzer. We talked with the director and several of mm-hmm. the managers yeah. and tour guides there. Even they, if you don't do a haunt and history tour, at yes. least go, go and see it because go it's and- really, really neat. And they have a lot of really cool events planned for yes. this the remainder of this year and you know throughout more of the year as mm-hmm. time passes yeah. on and so I'm really excited for them and yes. we offered to promote any of their things so we're hoping to kind of you know push them out there exactly and get them <laughs> on the map because it's a hidden gem it really is and Oklahoma it's a City. beautiful neighborhood oh it's beautiful and then you can just drive around the neighborhood for 20 minutes yeah admiring all the be a creep and look at all the houses yeah, oh, that's what beautiful. that's what we wanted to do i really was like i wonder if any of these homes are like british homes where oh. they open up for tourists at certain times <laughs> of year if so how do we get on that invite right list? exactly but yeah i and um, they are doing something in december yes. they're going to be decorating for christmas yes. and i think he said i can't remember his name it's like chantry mm-hmm. or forgive me we'll we have his card so we'll have to look it up but he said that they were going to be doing the house up for christmas yes. like all out yes and then they're having like a breakfast with santa yes. or something yeah, like that i and think i'm gonna get tickets for that for oh. me and my boys I yeah. think they'll really and like I told it. I told my mom about it and she was like, well, that sounds like it would be really fun. So we might go too. So we might yes. have to hop on your train and That's just okay. go together. That's okay. That's how we roll. It's fine. So, but yeah, definitely, so definitely uh, just keep checking please, them out and please. see what They're they have run. going on. They're run by Preservation Oklahoma. The house is actually owned by the city of Oklahoma City yeah. and it's really 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 a great piece of Oklahoma history yeah and what did he say it was like 95 percent of it is is original original still the ground floor was pretty much left the way it was when it was built in Mm -hmm. 1903 and then you can definitely see some of the updates from the 1950s and 60s when Mr. Overholzer's daughter and her husband were the primary residents there So it was really cool. Oh my gosh. And they had those claw footed bathtubs and just, it was just so neat. It was just really neat. And very cool. The curators there were just so nice and Mm -hmm. so knowledgeable and they were just so willing to talk to you. And they wanted you you to take pictures. Answered any questions we had. Yes. It it was just a really overall great experience that we did. We will have to tell you that, um, I, we both took some amazing pictures, but we've got one picture that is very strange. Well, oh, yeah. Well, you also need to tell them about the gown. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So on the grand staircase, there's a little landing before you go up 
the second set of stairs to the second floor, mm-hmm. and they have like a little looks like a like little seating alcove area. kind yeah. of yes, thing. Yes, yeah. yes. There's a reproduction of a dress that Mrs. Overholzer had worn, and I don't know if it's the dress that she may be said to haunt the mansion in. Yeah, I can't remember what they said about it. I can't remember either. But so Jess and I were just standing there and looking at it, and I kid you, I am not joking. And I I will tell you, I'm a a kind of a skeptic. I don't know. I love the idea Uh of there being like like ghosts and stuff. Yeah. Until it happens. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. I like the stories. Yes. Like the, the stories that come with it. So I was standing there next to Jess and this feeling, I can't even barely describe it, comes over at me and I look at Jess and I'm like, the hairs on my arm are standing up. Something is over here. And it was just the right side too is what you it said, It was right? just my right, just my right arm. I had a car to get on and everything. Yeah. And she's just looking at me I'm looking and at I'm like, like, she's crazy. I'm like, I feel nothing. I'm like, <laughs> there is something like it was on the right side of my neck, on my arm. It was so strange and weird. I've never felt anything like that before. And so we moved. It wasn't threatening or anything. Yeah. It wasn't mean or demonic, but it was like just to know like there was something there. Yeah. Yes. Kooky and spooky. Exactly. And then when we were up on the third floor, that lady oh, in front yeah. of us swore she saw someone. Mm-hmm. And so then I was all freaked out. Well, because we, we went into this, like you go up to the third floor and they had like some paranormal investigators up there that you could go and talk to and mm-hmm. ask questions. And I think they had some videos. Yes. And audio or yeah. something like that that you could see and hear. I think it was mainly audio. Mm-hmm. They were... There was like another room that you could go into, right? It was like yes. a, like you go through and it they had these, it almost looked like display cases in that, a museum. That's what they had said, that they had been building, in the process of building actual display cases because oh, the yeah, third floor used to be the, the servants' quarters. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then one of the rooms was still set up as the cook's room because she lived in the house. Yeah, we were going through into where this display area area was mm-hmm. granted there wasn't really a lot on display no not yet but yeah as we go in this i this lady was like she kind of had like the oh, like the shivers or yeah. something and she's like as we're walking in she's like that room is so creepy yeah and i was just like okay and then and then she walked around the corner she goes is there somebody in that room and whoever she was with turned around and looked and i looked and there was nobody in there. And I was completely oblivious. I know. And she was like, she kept walking into the room and looking around and going in. And like her friend was like, there's nobody in there. She's like, I just saw someone walk by. And she was like, oh, I don't and like, I don't know that her uh-huh. friend believed. And yeah. I was kind of like, meh, you know. Yeah. Well, but, she was like, it's so creepy. And I was like, it's an old room. Like that, that room didn't, I creep didn't me out at either. I didn't either. feel creeped out. No. In that in that area but I also didn't see somebody me neither (laughs) that or the I just psyched myself out in the basement the older woman who was behind us and she just started opening doors and I was like don't open doors that are closed and I was like can we do that I know that's what I was thinking I was like no what are you doing no 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 (laughs) plus they're closed for a reason yeah okay well um now tell them about the picture 
Okay. So Jess and I, they encouraged us to take pictures. And mm-hmm. they even said, take series of pictures mm-hmm. so you could see if anything was different. And so we had taken a picture, just me and Jess. We were finally kind of by ourselves yeah, in a room. There wasn't a whole, n- nobody else was around. Yeah. And so we took a picture in the nursery, even though it had all these creepy, creepy dolls. dolls. Yeah. And everyone assured us that none of the dolls were, were tied to any anything. spirits. Most all of them weren't even Henry Ione's dolls. No, they were just they were like donated or donated something by like her that. friends or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. So we take a picture, or I take a picture mm-hmm. of just the nursery. Well, then we turn around and take a selfie in the exact same angle. Yes. I promise you oh. it's the same angle. And there was a mirror over one of our shoulders. I can't mm-hmm. remember whose. I think it was yours. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> and in the picture of just the nursery, there's nothing in the mirror reflection. I kid you not. I will blow it up and put it on Instagram. <laughs> there is something in that mirror. It looks like in a, the picture of like me and Jess's selfie. It looks like a doll. And granted, I know what you're all are gonna say. Like it must have been it must have been a different angle. But it literally looked like it was on the other side of the room. Yes. And I don't remember a and doll being there. And you can see in the other picture that there was no doll there. There was no doll there in the no picture. There was no doll there. It was so, creepy. It was, it was, it was, we it was got, creepy. And we didn't realize it till after Thank we goodness. had left. Good grief. And like we were sitting in the car because we were literally about to leave to go to Guthrie to go do a ghost walk. (laughs) And we see this picture and we were so creeped out. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh man. So then we drove to Guthrie. Yes. And got some ice cream. We did. Rejuvenated ourselves. We did. And then we started going on the Guthrie nighttime ghost walk because this time of year they have nightly ghost walks instead of ghost walks in the hour ghost walks in the afternoon or so um i think and, they do a lot of different kinds of tours yeah yeah and this one just happened yes. to be the ghost walk yes and at so night sh- shout out to steph oh we got she was so so great. lucky that we got steph um we i had heard about her on uh-huh. irioki's podcast oh, okay. oh yeah um, you told me that yeah um, them describe Steph and say uh-huh. that when Steph does it, Steph is a little dramatic. <laughs> and she did not disappoint. She, she was not. fabulous. If you have the opportunity to have your ghost walk by Steph, go for it. it I was also so much fun. I want Stacy. I want Stacy too. Oh yeah. But um, Steph, I know she there's some other tours that I great. think we should try and do sometime but she was absolutely wonderful she was so funny and she was hilarious and so interactive with all of us now i will say there was a lot of walking Mm -hmm. and a lot of standing there is yes and it was about an hour yeah i think 90 minutes was what it was supposed to be just make sure that you're prepared for that yes if you decide to and bring a jacket and honestly, it was only $10, so it yes, was like super bucks. inexpensive. You can check them out on Facebook. Guthrie Ghost Walks is what I think it's called. Yeah, that's what it is. And, or Ghost Walk You tours. don't even have to pay until you get, get there. there. Yeah. So definitely, if you're in the area, go yeah. check that out because it was do. so fun. It was so fun. And we took a lot of pictures there, yeah. too. And Hers turned out better than mine, <laughs> which is fine. Um, <laughs> we did get another i did get another weird one uh-huh 
and we were we weren't even really supposed to go this route. We went no. down an alley. She yeah, we went down, down a dark alley. alley behind a big abandoned building. Yes, and literally we the Lens Department there. store. There's nothing in it right now, and we went back behind it, and that's where she was started to tell us about some dark experience. Then she in remembered the basement. We had, then she remembered she had small children with us, so we didn't get to hear the rest. So I'm taking pictures. And, you know, they had told us, you know, you have to kind of zoom in to look uh-huh. at everything. I can, there is something in another picture. I know. I caught something else. I am not a ghost hunter. No, but you've caught two. This one looks like, and I just saw it. I showed it to my husband. I showed it to one of my coworkers. I was like, is there something in this picture? And, of course, my husband is extremely skeptical. And he's like, meh. Maybe <laughs> it might be some steam or something from where, where would the steam come from? Yeah, It's an abandoned building. Right. But my there coworker was like, there's somebody, their hair is parted. It is blonde. We'll see. In even I said it looks like their hair is parted. Yes. Oh, I'll post that one up there too. You guys tell me what you think. Yeah. We'd love to hear it. Yes, I mean, we, there, sure. it might not be anything, but it's fun to think <laughs> about what it reflect- could be. It was, it's on like the second or third floor. So mm-hmm. it's not like it could have been a reflection of any of us, yeah. especially at the angle that I was standing at. Well, you have at, to think but- the back of the other, it, like, it's not like there's a building facing it. Yeah. It it's was just the a back brick of another wall. building. Yeah. So. That was our that last was our weekend. Trip. It was a lot of fun. Oh, it was so much fun. We had such a good time. We did some really good networking and connecting. Uh-huh. Yes. And so shout out to all the people Absolutely. that really welcomed Curious Cousins to their events and were so kind and yes. generous with their so information. We had so much fun. If we could ever do anything for you all, please, please, please hit us, us up. Know. Yeah. We would love to have you on our show. We would yes. love to Interview visit you again. Hear your stories. For sure. Just don't go to the Guthrie Ghost Walk at like 1030 and then drive straight back to home, which was like 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> or do. That it's kind of fun. That was a rough ride for Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. This episode is actually going to be just horrific. Yeah. I, yeah. Jeff. Jeff. I almost said Jeff horrific. Jeff is my brother, by the way. Yeah. He's not here. No, he's uh, not. Just I don't, you know, I don't know what. Name is still pending. Yeah. Because I think, actually, I think Tiftastic sounds, Probably. it flows better. Yeah. And Jessorific. Jessorific. Okay. Kind of flows okay. a little bit better than Jessastic. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. you people decide. We okay. don't know. But yeah, this is a um, a Jessica episode. Yay. So we should probably go ahead and get started. Because we're now 20 minutes in. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we are going to talk about Joan Gay Croft. Boo. Have you heard? I, I'm yes. sure you've heard the name. I have. Yes. Do you know much about her? Kind of. Kind of. Yes. I know who she is. Yes. I know the background uh-huh. information, but that's kind of it. Kind She's of it. very popular. Yes. Being well, covered. Yeah. Uh, by other podcasts and especially true crime podcasts mm-hmm. and mysteries. And so I want to hear your take on it. Okay. Well, um, I hope it lives up to. Plus knowing that I have deep, deep ties to Woodward. Well, and you know what's so. funny is... Um, 
I realized on Wednesday, okay, so my aunt had passed away mm-hmm. and we were at a funeral. And so we were on Wednesday, we were with family and I was talking to, um, and it was on my dad's side. So we were, I was talking to one of my aunts and my mom was like, said something and I go, oh yeah, I forgot that Aunt Chan lives in Woodward. <laughs> so I have family <laughs> yeah. that lives oh, in Woodward. Yeah. So we both kind of have some ties in Woodward. But anyway, if you didn't know, that's where the story's going to take place. <laughs> but spoiler. Yeah. So um, bear with me. I have seven sources and I'm going to list them all. <laughs> uh, my first source is Ghost and Legends of Oklahoma by Mike Ricksecker. Erie, Oklahoma by Heather Woodward. 1947 Woodward Tornado by Robin D. Howeller. I don't know if I'm saying that right. And um, and Dr. Dina K. Fisher. Uh, the next one is Top 10 Deadliest Oklahoma Tornadoes, 1882 to Present, from the National Weather Service at weather.gov. Oh. Tornadoes, from the Oklahoma Historical Society at oklahomahistory.org. Four Mysteries Remain from 47 Tornado by Robin Howeller on April 9th, 2016 from the WoodwardNews.net. And my last one is the monthly annual statistics for tornadoes in Oklahoma in 1950 to present from the National Weather Service at weather.gov. So we're going to do a little science history kind of background really quick. So when you think of Oklahoma, what comes to mind? tornadoes for me it's home always will be but tornadoes is mine (laughs) well i meant i meant you were on the right track so tornadoes is for me tornadoes is a big high up on the list and (laughs) if you're a native oklahoman or have lived here for a long time you are very familiar with the unpredictability and severity of Oklahoma's weather. Yes. It can go from being a nice spring day and in the blink of an eye, it's dropped 30 degrees. Like Will Rogers says, just wait five minutes, it'll change. Yes. And uh, perhaps no single weather-related phenomenon has caused more dread and fear than the tornado. And I know for me personally, tornadoes cause me to be a big ball of anxiety. (laughs) I'm going to take over a little bit. I mean, not that I'm not talking this whole thing through, but I'm just going to tell you about (laughs) my personal own experience with a tornado, if you don't mind. No. So on April 24th, 1993, I was seven years old. Not to triangulate my age, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was my cousin Matt's birthday. Oh. My parents were having a Sunday school party at our house. My brothers and I were uh, with my aunt and my uncle at the time celebrating Matt's birthday at Tulsa's very own Bell's Amusement Park. I remember it. Bell's. <laughs> right. I, I heard it's going to be making there. a comeback. I never, but I never went there, though. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, when I you're a kid, Oklahoma- it seems super fun. <laughs> I grew up in Oklahoma City. We had Frontier City. Well, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, I remember it being a pretty nice day, but I do remember it starting to get, um, starting to cloud up. And my uncle was able to bribe me to ride on the Ferris wheel. And I remember not wanting to ride the Ferris wheel <laughs> because I was scared. I mean, I was yeah, seven. Yeah. yeah. Uh, however, he eventually talked me into it, and that by was your first. Mistake. That was my first mistake, and by this point, like the wind had picked up, 
a little bit and it was starting to get a little darker. And I believe it was in the afternoon when this was happening. Um, but once on the ride, um, I think it started to sprinkle and I remember the ride slowing down and coming to a stop. And of course, because I have the best luck, (laughs) our little um, bucket thing stopped at the very top of the Ferris wheel. I think everyone's eventually stops at the top. Well, you know, that might be true. However, (laughs) however, in the distance towards the east, we could see dark clouds and you could see a funnel. Oh, my gosh. At this point. The tornado sirens start going off. Oh, my gosh. We could see lightning. People started to scream. Bells was being evacuated. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm probably positive that I started crying. (laughs) And for me, it was the most terrifying thing I I had ever experienced in my short seven years of life. (laughs) So we just (laughs) seven. We did eventually get off the Ferris wheel and out of the park. Well, that's good. I'm and glad that you didn't have to. At the like during that, that you a true Oklahoman if you had to weather the tornado oh, well, in the Ferris wheel. Well, during during that time, my my grandparents on my dad's side lived in in Tulsa, and mm-hmm. not too far from where Bell's used to be. And spoiler alert, it's not there anymore, like we talked about. (laughs) And I remember getting to eat pizza and drinking pop, which was a special treat because that wasn't something we got to do very often was drink pop. Actually, at that age, I don't think we drank it at all. And got to watch our mom. (laughs) You got to watch our moms drink it. I was the same way, too. Um, But anyway, we did eventually, we ended up staying the night and... We eventually made it home, and if I remember correctly, which I think what usually took about 10 to 15 minutes, like a 10 to 15 minute drive, yeah, um, it took much longer because of traffic, and James, older brother, (laughs) if you remember, jump in, because we all know Jeff's memory is really bad, (laughs) plus he was like five, Yeah, (laughs) but um, I remember... There was a truck stop by our house that was just destroyed. Oh, my God. And in our neighborhood, there were trees down. There were tree limbs everywhere. And I remember when we pulled up to the house, it it was almost like, is that our... Like, shingles were missing. All the windows had been blown out. Oh, my gosh. That's and insane. And the power was out. And... The carpet was wet and we had a big tree. Well, I don't know how. I mean, it was seemed big to me at the time yeah. in the backyard and it was gone. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, there were some things broken. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, most of our things were still there. So we were mm-hmm. very lucky. We didn't lose our house completely. Yeah. It was scary. My parents and their friends that were there actually wrote it out at our house oh my god and we have a small house and there's not a good place to go if a storm like that comes through but um 10 people ended up killed from this tornado and more than 50 had been injured it made a lasting impact 
on me with tornadoes and storms. I wonder if my friend Paige, she was in a tornado also. Mm-hmm. She's from the Ulaga Talala area mm-hmm. and it leveled her house. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it was the same one. I don't know what year um, it happened. It was in 19. Well, this one was in 1993. Yeah. And I don't know what year Paige's was. I think it. I know it, it, it was like on, basically on I-44, it went mm-hmm. up, or 412, oh, okay. and into Katusa. Okay. So I, I'm not sure if which way it Possibly. came from, but it yeah. could have. But I know for me, it, it made a lasting impact, oh. and I know that like my anxiety goes through the roof whenever there's tornadic storms coming, yeah. and I, like my heart rate goes up, and... Um, I'm just a mess. And to this day, you could not pay me enough <laughs> to get on a Ferris wheel ever again. But that's how I remember it. At least my brothers might have a different perspective of it. Yeah. Even though I wasn't in it, it still, it still causes me anxiety, even right. though I wasn't actually writing it out. But anyway, getting back on track. Okay. So I'll save my that's my story. For later. <laughs> Mine are not anything dramatic, I promise. Well, I mean, I, that was probably not dramatic for some people, but uh, cu- being that young and then coming home your house to your is house. A tornado. My house has never been in a tornado. It's just, uh, it's scary because, yeah. you know, we didn't have power for at least a couple of weeks. We had to go stay in a hotel and, wow. you know, I think I remember grandma and grandpa coming down mm-hmm. at one point. Oh, but, yeah. Um, you know, it was just scary. But anyway, anyway. So of Back an annual... Yeah, of an annual average of 800 tornadoes that are reported in the United States, most occur in Tornado Alley. Yes. A corridor that extends from North Texas through Oklahoma, north through Kansas and Nebraska, and east into Iowa. Yes. Which you, you're, you science teacher over there, you probably know all this, but this <laughs> yes. is more for the people, just in case they don't. So warm- Fun fact, I have a kooky fact for you. I hope I'm not spoiling this. Well, I hope you're not going to... I have some kooky facts for later, so I'm hoping it's oh. not one of mine. You know, Tornado Alley, they say it's shifting. Oh, yeah. I heard to that. The east. I heard that. Well, if you guys ever need any... Advice. Advice. We Oklahomans have plenty. Curious cousins, okay at gmail.com. <laughs> yes. We are not meteorologists. <laughs> so warm air from the Gulf of Mexico pushes north. Even warmer air blows from the southwest and cold polar air surges eastward from the Rocky Mountains. When this air masses mix, the resulting thunderstorms are the perfect recipe for a tornado. Chef's kiss. (laughs) Oklahoma's unique geographical location in the eye of Tornado Alley increases the probability of a tornado to occur, in which they can happen in any month. Yes, but typically, most tornadoes happen from April through June. Mm-hmm. And early settlers of Oklahoma often had little, if any, warning <laughs> <laughs> for incoming cyclones, as they would call. And if a funnel was spotted, officials would ring either a church bell or school bell to alert the area residents to seek shelter. But more often than not, there was no warning. So. I was going to say, like in the Wizard of Oz movie... Even though they called it a twista. It's a twista. A twista. I th- is there a part where you hear the bell or a bell ringing when the tornado is coming? Honestly, I don't remember. I haven't watched that in ages. 
I could be just making that up. But we might have to look into it and see, yeah. watch that part of it. So with that being said, let's dive right into the actual story. Here we go. Here I just felt go. like it needed a little bit of background. Okay. Okay. I'm, in. I'm here for it. All right. So on Wednesday, April 9th, 1947, AF5 tornado struck the city of Woodward, Oklahoma with no warning at about 8.42 p.m. Central Time. Mm-hmm. So it was dark. It was dark, yeah. Which I think is one of the worst times for a tornado. It is the worst tornado. time because you, you just, can't see you can't anything. see it and you can't see what direction it's going. And, mm-hmm. you know, then they didn't even have light. I mean, they did have electricity, but they didn't have like the swarms of electrical poles and outlets like we did. Mm-hmm. So that's how we know one is coming when we see the... Power well, lines They didn't have snapping. any kind of warning. They didn't yeah. have the live Doppler. They didn't yeah. have tornado sirens at that time. Yeah. That wasn't a thing during that time. Um, this tornado, well, it started in the Texas Panhandle. Okay. And it traveled across three states in a single track, ending in St. Leo, Kansas. Okay. Was its final destination. <laughs> so the tornado was massive. It was 1.8 miles wide at the core, with winds averaging 250 miles per hour in the core. At the height of the storm's destruction force, or destructive force, winds at the core of the storm were calculated to be upward of 450 miles per hour. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Over 100 city blocks. It's hurricane force. Yeah, and it's 1.8 miles wide, just to make it worse. Over 100 city blocks on the west and north sides of Woodward were destroyed, with less damage being in the southeast of town. Chaos and confusion reigned in the aftermath of the storm. Over 1,000 homes and businesses were destroyed. Damages were estimated to be $8 million at that time. And I didn't do a calculation, but... I was about to ask, too. But, I mean, $8 million. At least 107 people were killed in and around Woodward, and nearly 1,000 people were injured. Uh, normal communications between Woodward and the outside world were not restored for some time, and there was great uncertainty as to um, victim statuses because there was just so much damage. Like you didn't know. Yeah, and with power out, I mean, they didn't have cell phones, so... Yeah. It's well, not- they didn't even have regular phones. Pro- I mean, they did, but, you know, only the uber wealthy probably had them then. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure. It's 1929, right? Is that what you said? 47. Oh, 1947. Okay, never mind. Everybody had phones <laughs> then. <laughs> so, um, of course, with disasters like this, there are always tragic stories of lives lost Mm -hmm. and of properties being destroyed. The worst and most heartbreaking are the accounts of the young children. Yes. It's just awful. So in the aftermath of the tornado, word began to spread that the bodies of four young girls ages six months to 12 years Mm -hmm. were found in the rubble of the storm's destruction. They had yet to be identified and news traveled fast, creating decades of speculation as to the girls' identities. One of the little girls was soon identified as 18-month-old Triana Dale Holster and was claimed by family members. Three girls to this day still remain unidentified. Wow. A blonde-haired girl about 12 years old, 
a reddish blonde girl about three years old and an infant girl about six months old. Now, I know you're probably wondering, (laughs) Jess, I thought this was a true crime episode titled Joan Gay Croft. Why are you talking about tornadoes and unidentified girls? Trust me, it all is related. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you how, so just stick with me. Joan Gay Croft was a four-year-old girl who had been home with her seven-year-old sister, Geraldine, Geraldine, who was called Jerry, and her parents, Owen and Cleta May, the night the tornado hit. Joan's mother actually worked nights as a telephone operator. However, the National Federation of Telephone Workers was on their third day on strike, which meant there was no connected telephones in the town, and city officials had no way of being warned of the coming disaster. My gosh. Hindsight, right? Right, right. It's just crazy how much damage this did, and I just can't even imagine. But yeah. anyway, the Croft home had been destroyed by the tornado. A neighbor went through the wreckage looking for survivors, and sadly, Cleta May was killed. She had been crushed by a falling wall and was killed instantly. Oh, yeah. Olin Croft sustained severe injuries, and the girl's... The girls only suffered minor injuries due to the flying debris, but yeah. Joan had actually had a had been pierced in the leg oh. with a 10-inch splinter, oh, and it was about the yikes. size of a pencil, and the wood was embedded Ooh. in the calf of her leg, but that was a minor injury. Ooh. I mean... Oh, you know, I can't for a four year old that had to have been painful. I mean, yeah. for an adult, that would be painful. Yeah. But anyway, volunteers began to uh, volunteers began bringing the injured to Woodward Hospital, but it soon overfilled, of course. And then the Baptist Church was designated as an, an emergency hospital, but it, too, was soon overfilled. Overrun, yeah. And guests that were staying at Baker Hotel was or were then moved out to make room for the injured. And other temporary hospitals were set up around town. So they had several different locations as like a hospital. And I know yeah. the Red Cross got there pretty quickly. Um, I mentioned this because Joan and her sister, Jerry, they were taken to the Woodward Hospital while their father was taken to a makeshift hospital that had been set up at the Baker Hotel. So they were separated from their only living parent. And I don't think they knew at this oh, time that he was ta- still alive. Well, I was about to ask. So they knew their mother was dead. Or did they know that their mom was dead? I'm not I'm not sure. It wasn't 100% clear. But I think... I, I, I don't... I honestly don't know. I don't want to say one way or the other. You have to think they were seven and four years old. Oh, true. Well, okay. Uh, to me, it gets worse. So in a weird communication error, Joan's mm-hmm. Aunt Ruth got word that her two nieces were now orphans. So their aunt, her brother's name had been listed as mm-hmm. one of the deceased in the newspaper. Yes. And Ruth went directly to to the hospital to find the two girls and yeah. take them home. Once she got there, she found that their that her brother was actually alive and he would recover. Okay. She learned that another man named Olin Hutchinson, uh-huh. except his name was spelled with a A instead of an I, like her brother uh-huh. in Olin. He was the one who actually died in the tornado. So, of course, she was relieved I mean, not that she was glad he died, but she was relieved it wasn't her brother. 
Okay. But so when she found that out, she went to help with the cleanup and then would return the following morning to check on the girls. Now, here's where I kind of have a problem. (laughs) So I'm not, I don't want anyone to think that I'm blaming anyone. Yeah. But I can't even imagine leaving my three nieces, one who's 16, one who just turned 12, and one who is six, alone in a hospital with no family. Yeah. Now... I understand that they were probably overwhelmed with injured people and probably didn't want people staying, but you're talking about young children alone. And I also realized that she left to go help with the cleanup, Mm -hmm. but the girl's injuries were considered minor. And if she came to take them home because she thought they were orphaned, why would she not go ahead, take them back to her house or another family member's house Mm -hmm. until her brother fully recovered? Like, I don't understand. I have so many questions. Right. It just doesn't make sense to me. Well, and hindsight is 2020, obviously. I'm sure that same question plagued her for the rest of her life like why did you not just take them with you well and like if she wanted to help with the cleanup that's where I have an issue too if mm-hmm. she wanted to help with the cleanup why not take them home first and then go and help it's yeah. not like anybody was going anywhere yeah well yeah anyway I'm just I'm just saying so I'll get off my little <laughs> pedestal but it really bothered me yeah well especially knowing how this story is going to end yes Yes. It bothers. Yeah. Ruth <laughs> leaves. She goes back and checks on them the next morning. Oh, here's another thing. <laughs> they put the girls down in the basement. What is with the basement? Just really does not like basements. I don't. Someone I needs don't. to have a really amazing, awesome basement and invite Jess over <laughs> and change her mind about basements. Oh, man. Ugh. Okay. She returns the next morning. She goes down to the basement where her nieces are, or where they had been put. She was confused because the only one down there was Jerry. Wait, where's the other two? Joan was nowhere to be found. Weren't there three of them? There was two. Two. I have three nieces. She had the two in the basement of the hospital. You know what else is down in the basement of hospitals? The morgues. Morgues. (laughs) Yeah. Just throwing that out there. When Jerry was asked what had happened to her little sister, she started crying and told her aunt that two men in khaki uniforms went through the basement asking for Joan by name. Oh, my gosh. But not the sister? Nope. Well, how would they know Joan's name, but not the sister's name? Add that to the million questions that circulated for this thing. Oh like I, I, like I said, I have so many questions. Once they found Joan, they picked her, up, picked up her cot, moved her out of the hospital. The, the men, the men, the, men, once, the two okay. men in the once khaki uniform, picked okay. up her cot and moved her out of the out of the hospital. Oh my god! They took her bed. That's, that's what I heard. That's I also awkward. had heard. I listened to the Eerie Oki yeah. episode on this, and she had said that they picked her up off the cot. Okay, said that she was laying on the floor. Now, I mean, I don't know which it is. I'm just going based off of the books that I read. Or, right. You know, the things that I read in the books. It could be that she was on the floor okay. and they just picked her up. I don't really know, but they they got her and they left Somehow the they hospital. removed her from yes. the basement. Um, yes. God. And this is so heartbreaking to me. Jerry said that her sister had been crying, oh. that she said she didn't want to go with them. And she wanted to stay with her sister. Well, yeah. 
And the two men then began comforting her. Ugh, I don't like that. And telling her, no, it gets worse. This is creepy to me. They start comforting her and telling her she was not in danger and that no harm would come to her. Said every serial killer ever. I mean, does that not just creep you out? Yes. Ugh, I can't. They also. This is a little baby. I know, four years old. Four. They also told her that they would be coming back for her sister so that they could be together. Well, guess what? They never did. Joan would never be seen again. Or did they come back and they saw her aunt was there and their plan was foiled? I mean, I don't. I don't know. Joan was never seen again. And there's like basically disappearing without a trace. Mm -hmm. Never seen from, never heard from again. Oh my gosh. After that, the nurses told Ruth, the aunt, that the men in the khaki had told them that they were moving Joan to Oklahoma City Hospital because they were at capacity and people were constantly being shifted around. So there was constant movement within the... Woodward right, Hospital. Right. And I'm sure. But why were... would they move her without moving her sister at the same time? Well, and if you remember, well, I don't know if I mentioned it, but their dad was at a hospital in Oklahoma City. Uh, well, then that would make you would think that would make sense. Didn't the nurses know that their aunt was there to get them? I don't know. They didn't really say. They just said that they didn't think twice about them in taking Joan because of the capacity issue well, and okay. that they were moving them you to Oklahoma them City. There. Here's the thing, though. Worried and confused, Ruth called around and found that the niece that her niece never made it to the hospital. Oh my gosh! Even weirder, she was never expected to transfer. Oh my gosh! Of course, this caused Ruth to panic. I can't well, even imagine. You think? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the panic and guilt. Well, for sure. So uh, she ended up calling other hospitals in the area. And then she even called the morgue. And she also called an orphanage just to see on the off chance that somehow she got somehow she got located to one of those places. Oh, my gosh. And the answer was no. Joan's father, Olin Croft, after he was released from the hospital, began a never-ending search for his missing four-year-old daughter. And the search for Joan spanned five states. Her father made posters and plastered them throughout the area. He went on radio shows talking about Joan and just hoping that someone somewhere Mm -hmm. would know something or have any kind of explanation of what happened to her. But nothing ever came of it. Mm. Um, Joan was described as a slightly chubby little girl (laughs) with blonde hair and curls and cornflower blue eyes. Now, if you the picture that they had of her, she was adorable. Beautiful. Adorable. Yes. Her father said that she had a bashful personality and that she didn't like to talk to strangers, which which little kid does. Oh, I'm sorry. My nephew. (laughs) When he was three, would talk to everybody. I so mean, some people don't have that problem, yeah. but I know I did. I didn't yeah, like talking to people I didn't, I didn't know. But she would hide her face and let her oh. parents talk for her. Family members also said that she had a speech impediment. Oh my so gosh. even if someone had found her, it would be really hard to understand understand her and get her name. And I can imagine this being 
I can imagine being that young girl being terrified. Yeah. And not understanding what's going on. Just wanting to be with your family would only make her speech impediment worse. On top of the fact that she has just been through a freaking tornado. Yeah. Yeah. On top of it all. Yeah. Has no idea probably where her dad is, where her mom is. Right. Why would you take me from my sister? Right. You stick me in a freaking basement. Yeah. And I'm sure there was other people down in the basement. I'm not saying they were the only two. Yeah, but but you might not know them. When you're little like that, I mean, come on. And she she would obviously be upset. So that would just make her, you know, I don't know what kind of speech impediment she had, whether it was a stutter or a lisp or she just couldn't talk very well. If you're that upset, it's only going to make it worse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So eventually, Olin... And his remaining daughter, they left Woodward. So really quick, we're going to go back to those three unidentified girls. Okay. A picture was taken of one of the little girls because she fit Joan's description. Mm -hmm. The picture was shown to family members. It was shown to neighbors. It was shown to teachers. And all of them agreed that the unidentified girl was not Joan. Okay. So in June of 1947... A little girl with blonde hair and blue eyes was found savagely beaten <sighs> in Weed, California. Oh, my gosh. A homemaker found her dumped in a oh. field of overgrown grass, left for dead. So the girl was taken to the hospital and immediately put into ICU. Okay. The girl became known as Little Miss X or Baby X gosh. during this 10-day period of when they were trying to identify who she was. She was she was still alive though. Yes, in a coma. Yes, she was just in oh intensive care. Oh my gosh! When officials tried to identify her because she was in so much shock that she couldn't talk, mm-hmm. they oh. had a hard time. So many people speculated the girl to be or to have been Joan Gay Croft. Yeah, because she she matched the description. But as it turned out, this girl was much smaller and two years younger so this girl was only two years old oh man so it oh, to think that her dad probably got his hopes up for a little bit oh yeah those 10 days oh. i can't even imagine so like i said turns out the girl was a two-year-old her mom and her boyfriend left the girl in the field because they had two other kids already and decided that a th- they just couldn't afford a third what? child what so they kept her brother and her older sister and they went to Oregon. You've got to be kidding no. me. So the boyfriend confessed to physically dropping her in the field. Oh, my gosh. But denied beating her. Then, oh, she just happened Yeah. upon she, that? She did it herself, apparently. Oh, my God. Um, what a her parents were charged with assault and abandonment. Yeah. They pleaded guilty to the charges. And Good. they were each sentenced to 20 years in prison. Good. Just 20 years for beating a baby almost to death. Let's hope that the justice system took care of their punishment the way justice should be systems (laughs) tend to when people go behind bars. Yes. Well, the girl went on to live with her biological father. And that's all that was said about that. But so in 1993, an episode of Unsolved Mysteries featuring Joan Gaycroft, aired and prompted a number of women with mysterious pasts to suspect that they were this missing girl from Woodward. 
the family was so sure about one woman in particular, they that they they were in the process of like welcoming her into the family. Oh it was that yeah. they were so sure it was that close. And I didn't want to name this woman. I mean, you could probably look it up somewhere, yeah. but I didn't really want to name her because she's still alive. She could still be alive. So she. Okay, let me. Well, let me let me go because that might answer your question. So this woman said she never felt like she belonged with her parents and that she didn't resemble any of her relatives. Mm -hmm. She also said that she struggled in school and her teachers all thought she might be younger than what her parents claimed she was. So later in life, she went to therapy and she was diagnosed with psychogenic amnesia which means that something traumatic in her life mm-hmm. happened and is keeping her from remembering those oh. those past memories. She said she would have flashbacks of scenarios and situations with people that she felt she knew but had never actually met in real life. Wow. She was referred to a psychiatrist who put her into a regression therapy to uh-huh. try to unlock the memories and she would recall scenes of blood and screaming. So if you kind of think about that, that could go hand in hand with a tornado. Oh, yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. It did come out that the story of her birth had been falsified. So something scandalous did happen during that time. But around the same time when she found that out is when she saw this episode Uh of Unsolved Mysteries about Joan. And then she actually reached out to the family. Yeah. A DNA test was done. And with a direct relative of Joan, and it did not match Mm. in the end. So uh, over the years, many women have come forward and claiming to be Joan. But so far, there's been no DNA test that has matched her bloodline. And her relatives at this point believe if she hasn't come forward as of now, Mm -hmm. she's probably dead. Yeah. And... Um, we'll never know what actually no. happened to the beautiful little girl. Are you ready for some theories? Yeah. Yeah. Here's the first one. Okay. I'm not that I'm excited about this story, <laughs> but I am excited to hear what you think of some of these theories. Like I said, Joan was a beautiful, well-mannered child. She, some theorized that a woman named Georgia Tan took Joan because of her beauty. Tan stole babies and children from hospitals what? and orphanages. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was it's still like her them. job? Yeah. Like, it okay. was like a baby broker ring. That's oh, what they call Lord it. Lord have mercy. Yeah, she would steal babies from hospitals and oh orphanages and then she would sell them to wealthy families for an extremely high price. Holy cow. Yes. And she mostly worked out of Tennessee but mm-hmm. could have set up a satellite baby broker ring in the satellite. area. That's what they called it. And I was like, well, that's interesting. Oh my gosh. So that's the first theory. Okay. Here's the okay. second. So go ahead. I don't know. I mean, I guess out of everything that you have said, like a part of me would be like, well, I hope that's what happened. I hope she wasn't like brutally assaulted and murdered, but yeah, because she was what would raised, be the point of taking her? Exactly. Like, she was raised by a family that really did want her and probably yeah. paid out the wazoo for her. Right. And they probably loved her and raised her. And I don't, but at the same time, like, I don't know, how would you suppress yeah. whatever her, her prior right. identity? Yeah. So here's the second theory. Okay. Others think she could have been taken for a ransom that went south. And maybe the men 
who took her thinking they would get money out of the, out of her father but mm-hmm. didn't account for her injury <laughs> so if the wound was left untreated the wood in her leg could have gone septic or you know gotten infected oh, that's right and she could have passed away before they were able to <laughs> oh my god enact their ransom plan however oh both of these theories are unlikely because oh. there's no evidence to support either of them well and you'd have to think eventually like if her body would have gotten septic they would have just i mean right i probably mean probably thrown her thrown, out dumped so, her yeah. somewhere and she would have been found at some point yes so here's the thing no other children had been taken in the area and joan's father didn't owe anyone any money the croft family was a part of the middle class but they weren't rich yeah Olin was a successful sheep rancher. However, his house had literally been destroyed right. from the storm. It literally had nothing left. And had left. little to offer. Yeah. So it just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Third theory. Olin got remarried only three months after his wife's death. Which, Wait, what? Yeah. He got remarried only three months after Cleta May passed away in the storm. Which even then seems odd. Like but, for that period of time. Right, right. So there were rumors, of course, swirling around that he had gotten rid of his daughter so that he could be with his new woman without any outside. Um, didn't he have a second daughter? Didn't he have an older daughter? Well, I'm getting to that. Okay. Yeah. He, they said he just didn't want any more outside okay. ties. So Jerry was actually his stepdaughter. So he had no parental rights to her. What? Getting rid of Joan would give him a new beginning. Oh. This but- theory... Has a ton of holes, though. Where did Jerry go? She was with him, though. Remember, they were together searching for okay. Joan. So, like, Jerry didn't abandon her because he was technically not her biological father. Right. Okay. Okay. Right. Oh, yeah. That kind of blows a hole in it a little bit. <laughs> well, yeah. Given that Joan's mother died in a natural disaster, mm-hmm. it was not a planned event, obviously. Right. Yeah. Like, how did he plan? He couldn't have planned right. that. So furthermore, her father spent most of the time after the disaster in the hospital recovering from his injuries. He didn't have time to mastermind (laughs) a a kidnapping plan of his wounded daughter. In a matter of moments. Right. You know? Yeah. So even though he got remarried pretty quickly, he spent, he literally spent the rest of his life searching for her. Okay. Yeah. I just added this little note that like, how cruel is that though for yeah. for rumors like that to be circulating when you're this grieving father? Yeah, who your wife just died. Granted, you did just get remarried, but your daughter is missing. You have no idea right. where she is. You right. have no idea what's happened to her. I on top of the fact you have to rebuild your entire business, your home, and being accused of something like that. Right. I cannot imagine oh, yeah. that being being easy at all yeah no and i don't blame him for leaving woodward no but no Uh, i think i also think that even if he hadn't gotten remarried so Mm -hmm. early i think he still would have been put under suspicion right and you know i i just can't imagine what he must have gone through because of this so also i i don't know if it means anything or not but i do think it's interesting that the identified bodies of the three young children were all girls that is interesting like why Why? yeah i just feel like tornadoes you know they aren't 
oh, I'm just going to suck up all the girls and throw them all around the town. You know what I mean? Like, they don't have a thought process at all. So it's just, I just, interesting. And I just have so many questions. It's interesting that to this day, there's still three unidentified bodies. I did read, I I did find this comforting, I guess. Uh Um, The uh, IOOF, which... I can't remember exactly what it stands for at this in particular moment, but they actually bought a or donated a gravestone to the six month old baby. Mm -hmm. And then I think in 1987, a a man there in Woodward ended up donating two more Mm -hmm. for the other two unidentified girls Mm -hmm. so that they would at least have a gravestone. Yeah. And I think people still go and put flowers there and all that kind of stuff. So it's just terrible. I hope that I hope that I don't know, like there's a part of me that's like, gosh, I hope that there is a way that they preserved some of their DNA. And so that it's in the DNA bank Mm -hmm. so that when you run people yeah it would be against it like they could get a hit on it possibly well and i i did read that one of the theories about them were that they were kind of like um transient Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh daughters of people yeah who um some of them may not have come forward because they couldn't afford to bury them that makes sense i wonder too if their loved ones got killed as well well, yes, that uh-huh. and that maybe that they were they were being abandoned anyway, oh. and they just didn't want to be wild. dealt with. It was wild in those times. So I don't know. There's lots of theories. We'll yeah. never know. So many questions, and I want to know so bad. I know, but it's one of those cases that I was listening to Morbid, a true crime podcast, the other day. And one of the questions one of the people had asked her was like, what, Elena, they had asked Mm -hmm. Elena, like, what was the case that if she could have any case solved, Solved. what would it be? And she said, well, I have two. And it was like the West Memphis three and then John Benet Ramsey. This is one of mine. Like, of course, I kind of the same about John Benet Ramsey and the West Memphis three. But this case, like, this is the one Oklahoma case that if I could for sure get it answered yes that's what i would want done yes because it's just there's what's interesting about this is this tornado i mean there are two mysteries i guess we could say yeah surrounding it with so many questions like who are these girls Mm -hmm, why mm -hmm. were they left yeah and where is joan what happened to joan it's what just, it, oh, it, it's it, you're right, though. For me, this is one of those cases, like, I, if I could know any, have any kind yeah. of closure for what happened, mm-hmm. this would be be one of them. I, gosh. So. Oh, man. That That is the story of oh, Joan wow. Gaycroft. But before we go. Okay. I do have some kooky tornado facts for you. Do okay. you want to hear them? Okay. Yes. Okay. So after a tornado smashed into the Tinker Air Force Base near Oklahoma City on March 20th, 1948, military authorities directed Major Ernest J. Fawbush and Captain Robert C. Fawbush. Miller. I know. I was like, I hope I don't butcher that. <laughs> Two U.S. Air Force meteorologists at the base to determine whether or not tornadoes could be forecast. 
Their endeavors resulted in the first publicly broadcasted tornado forecast and warning issued at Tinker for the Air Force Base in March 20 or on March 25th, 1948. This scientific feat laid the groundwork for the future warning system, Doppler radar, NEXTRED, satellite imaging, and storm tracking have replaced the school or church bell as a warning device. (laughs) So we can thank them for that. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, that's a mouthful. Don't they just call it NOAA? (laughs) Do what? I think they just call it like NOAA or something. Probably right. Um, They selected Oklahoma as home of the National Service Storms Laboratory and the Storm Prediction Center. These, as well as the National Weather Service's Regional Forecast Center, are all located in Norman. So that's kind of cool, I thought. I mean, it's in Oklahoma. I see this look you're giving me. (laughs) Because it's in Norman. (laughs) The deadliest tornado to occur in Oklahoma is, in fact, the World War Tornado of 1947. Oh. Killing 107 people. The largest tornado to hit Oklahoma occurred on May 31st, 2013, which also, I believe, was the more tornado that devastated more like the last time, yes. I believe. Yes. I believe those happened on the same day. Yeah. Or one day apart. I can't mm-hmm. remember now. Anyway, this this happened in El Reno. This tornado was recorded to be, do you know how big it was, Miss Science oh, Teacher? Oh, gosh. You put me on the spot I now. did. I totally did. Um, oh, it was... Was it three or four miles wide? 2.6. Okay. 2.6 miles at its widest. Mm-hmm. This is interesting because not only is it the widest tornado to hit Oklahoma, mm-hmm. but it's actually also holds the record for the widest tornado in U.S. history. Oh, okay. I didn't know. So I thought, Yay. I mean, <laughs> you hate that, but then it's kind of cool. Yes. Yes. But you hate it. I mean, knowing that... The devastation that it Uh, causes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. According to the National Weather Service, on average, Oklahoma has about 57 tornadoes Mm -hmm. a year. I did know that. That's not to say that some years there are less and some years there are more. This year, it's been pretty quiet this year. Well, do you know the year that holds the most recorded tornadoes? uh, It's not 1999. No. Is it 2012? 2019. 2019. Oh. With a record of 149 tornadoes recorded. Good night. And 105 of those tornadoes were happened in May of that well, year. Well, <laughs> yeah. So. May is usually end of, May, end of April, begin in yeah. May. So I, here's, you couldn't pay me enough to live in more. I'm sorry, more. You're a great town. I love you. <laughs> you could not pay me enough to we live We love there. Toby Keith. Could not pay me enough to live in that town. <laughs> oh, man. So here's my last kooky fact. I tried to find when the first tornado siren was put into place in Oklahoma, and mm-hmm. maybe this is part of that whole warning system and the okay. first fact. Well, what I did find was that Wichita, Kansas was actually oh. the first to test hmm. a tornado siren in 1952. And... <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but um, it did cause a bit of confusion for people. <laughs> and some people actually thought it was a warning for an atomic bomb attack. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can imagine <laughs> this at the height of the Cold War. And right. The and, you know, others just didn't know what was happening. <laughs> but it did say it was tested again later in the 1950s in Wichita, warning of a tornado, and it seemed to work out pretty well. Mm-hmm. And in the 1960s, 
1960s and the 1970s is when that tornado sirens actually got put into place and was used in different states so that are my that's my cookie facts but i do have one last thing okay i feel like i keep saying that (laughs) last thoughts i feel like there are (laughs) this is my uh pondering um (laughs) my thoughts that just come to me music I find that there are three types of people reacting to oh. tornadoes. <laughs> You're going to say there's three types of tornadoes. And I was like, really? Three types of tornado reactions. <laughs> Here's the first one. Okay. You have the ones who handle the storm quite calmly and keep a level-headed. My parents are one are one of those people. They, they tend to stay calm. Now, I don't know if that's for my benefit because I'm already a nutcase. <laughs> but there you go. So... Number I'd two. I'd probably be that one. Number two. I can see you being calm. Mm-hmm. The ones like me. <laughs> when there's even a hint of a tornado, you're packing up all your stuff that you need, including your Bible. That's me. Any provisions you might need. Gotta have snacks and water. I'm surprised and camping you don't out have, in your safe space. I'm surprised you don't have like an emergency kit under I your should. bed. I should. I'm surprised. I'm, I'm not Christmas kidding. Present. I am not kidding. Like I grab my Bible because I'm thinking if I need anything during the storm, it's Jesus. <laughs> it's Jesus. And the word of God. Yes. <laughs> Just saying. You can agree with that or not. You. But I always have my shoes on. Mm-hmm. I grab <laughs> this is so bad. I grab my Nintendo Switch and my Kindle and I make sure I have my chargers and my phone charger. Well, that's just smart planning, I think. <laughs> That is me during a tornado watch. <laughs> that is her when there is a sprinkle of rain. I am prepared at all times. Yes. Well, do you remember like last year? What I was think the it third was, type of person? I think, it, well, I'll get, I'll get oh, to that. Okay, sorry. But this deals with the second. Okay. Do you remember? It was like, I think December of last year, that tornado was, um, there was like a tornado that was coming towards our house oh yes and you had texted me to see if we were okay yes okay i was literally sitting in the hall in the dark with all of my (laughs) stuff around me and my bag was packed my shoes were on my phone was charging do you have a bike helmet my parents were sitting in the living room (laughs) and i'm like there's a tornado on the way get inside (laughs) well they weren't outside but you know like like come to yeah. me yes and they're like it's fine and i'm like it's coming it's coming <laughs> you know <laughs> i was a nut my mom yeah. walked by the hallway and there i am sitting in the dark and she's like really and i was like oh yeah, oh, yeah. i'm prepared do you have a bike helmet no but it needs to have a hole because for my hair bun because i always wear hair buns oh, so i don't need a hole in my hair bun. <laughs> okay, moving on. Here's the third one. Oh gosh, the last group are the ones who it's the majority stand of stand outside on the porch. Majority of Oklahomans right here trying to take a selfie so that with the tornado or coming film. at you, film, film it coming film at it. you yep. so you can post it on social media. Mm-hmm, 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 yeah, mm-hmm. you all know who you are. So that's We're all, looking at folks. you. That's it. That's all I have for you. We're looking at you, Mr. Chris. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. My mom's that way, too. That is Tornadoes and Joan Gay Croft. And now you know what a nutcase I am. <laughs> what? Uh, what a 
a heartbreaking story. Like it really that's is. That's really every parent's worst nightmare to not only have to live through a natural disaster with your children, but to also lose your child in, in such a way. In such a way that had nothing to do with the natural disaster. Right. Like she was fine. She would have lived. She would have had a mm-hmm. great life. Yeah. I mean, and she was literally with her sister. She'd probably still be alive today. Yeah. And now we have no idea. And no even if she idea. is alive, I would venture to say she has no idea who she is. Well, I mean, who really remembers being That's what four I wa- years old? Right. I mean, granted, there are people like out flashes. there who do remember. Yeah. I mean, I remember my fourth birthday party. Yeah. I remember that. I think my my older brother, I think he has a pretty good memory. Yeah. But most people aren't going to remember things Especially from being four years old. so traumatic as that, that her new family probably suppressed those memories. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, oh, well, I just hate it because it's one of those that in my mind, I'm always like, every mystery can be solved. But I like, there's just a part of me that's like, is this one of those like Jack the Ripper? Like uh-huh. that one. I don't know that we'll ever be able to solve that one, even though yeah. I think they're pretty, cl- they're as close as they're ever yeah. going to get. But this is one of those, you're like, are they ever really going to be able to solve this? Right. And uh, I feel bad for the family. Yes. Because there is, you have no closure. Right. There is no closure Your for you. Your entire life. And you have to wonder. The aunt. Oh, gosh. If it was me, mm-hmm. I don't know how she felt. I'm not going to pretend to presume I know. Mm-hmm. If it was me and my three nieces, one of them had gone missing. And I had a chance to go mm-hmm. take them home to yeah. to um, your home, my least, home yeah. or uh, my parents or mm-hmm. even your house and be like, hey, I'm going to go help. I'll come back and get them. Yeah. The guilt there has to be guilt because I, I don't think me. I could have. Yeah. I don't think I could have handled even the guilt. her older sister who wasn't that much older than her. Well, having I'm, to literally watch somebody t- pick her up and take her out, and in the future thinking, I should have stopped them. I could have done something. Right. What could have I done? Could I have screamed? Could I have yelled? Could I have just walked with them? Right. You know. Yeah, and I mean, it makes you think. Well. I'm not going to victim shame at all, no. but like part of you kind of wonders, well, how come she didn't chase after them right, or, or, or like refuse not to leave her sister? And I mean, granted, she was only seven. Yeah. And she was probably scared, not, you know, not knowing. Well, she had just gone through the exact same and trauma. It's just, it's like, and you probably said, fully believed that they were going to come back and get her. Right. So, why do I need to? They were picking Joan up and carrying mm-hmm. her, then they're going to pick me up and carry me well, too. And then the guilt she probably had mm-hmm. because they were like, Well, they took your sister, but not you. Why didn't you say something? Right. Or, you know, I'm sure she had some guilt as well. Oh, I'm sure too. I'm sure she still does to this day. But. Anyway, my my heart goes out to that family and, you know, I don't know what's become of them. I don't know what's, you know, anything like that. But, you know, there have to still be some of them are still out there somewhere. And it's Mm -hmm. just um, you hate knowing that they're never going to have that closure. And it just makes you just makes you wonder, you know, what what happened to little Joan? (laughs) Well, that's everything. That is good story. 
It's a good Oklahoman. Well, it's a I'm, I'm sorry. Tragic story. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I rambled a lot and okay. had to talk about all the tornadoes. I just feel <laughs> like I just felt like y'all wouldn't get the picture if I didn't right. talk a little bit about tornadoes. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, any other business? Anything else we, we need have to our say? First Canadian follower. Yes, we saw that we had some shout of them out Canada. to Canada. Will you send us a shout? Would you like say hi to us? <laughs> like, hello, Canada. I know. I saw that pop up on the analytics and I was like, what? I immediately texted Tiffany with a I screenshot. Know. Shout out to Seattle, too. We yeah. got lots of followers hey in yo. Seattle. Hey, yo. Hey, Seattle. We love you. <laughs> yes, we do. So. Drop us a line at CuriousCousinsOK okay, at gmail.com. You can find us at CuriousCousinsOK okay, on Instagram. CuriousCousinsOK okay, okay. podcast on <laughs> Facebook. You had trouble with that last week, too. <laughs> One day I'll get it right. CuriousCousinsOK, okay, but Cousins is spelled C-U-Z-N on Twitter. We just had a visitor come in. And... Find us on any of your major podcasts. We're on iHeartRadio, yes. Amazon Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, all the Spotify, things. all the things. Well, and we have listener tales coming up. Next so week, listener tales, email, email us in. Us. Email them in, please. And it doesn't have to be Oklahoma related. No, it doesn't have we to. We just want any to hear from spooky, you. spooky, kooky whatever if you just want to tell us a good story do it yeah we'd love to hear it so yes so just tell them what to keep it keep it kooky and spooky bye, bye.